I don't know what your opinion is of the monarchy this morning, of the royal family, or whether we should or shouldn't have one, or, or you know, whether they've, their time should come to an end, or whatever ever you think, whatever your personal opinion of, of her is. Um, I just want to make a statement this morning that by anybody's measure, by anybody's measure, we have to agree that the Queen is a remarkable woman. Irrespective of the fact that she is queen, as a woman, as, as a person that carries authority and the way that she has lived her life, by anybody's measure, we have to agree that she is a remarkable woman. And as I've been doing some research into her life, um, you know, when we meet and we talk about what the series is going to be, where we, what we feel God wants to do and what we feel we want to speak about, you know, I must admit, I wasn't jumping up and down saying, oh, I want the Queen's 90th birthday day. Um, it, it, it was a real sort of um, struggle sometimes to pull this together, but I just really think that God has done something and, on, on, and revealed some maybe hidden treasures that maybe we need to know this morning about the life of this woman and also how that relates to our life in the kingdom of God and you know we all know she's the longest reigning monarch in history um, she never went to university but she's advised 12 prime ministers in her lifetime in her lifetime she's a 90 year old senior citizen and yet still works 40 hours a week I don't want to be working 40 hours a week when I'm 90, if I'm honest, but she seems to be able to pull that off. She employs 1,200 people but feeds her own dogs. I love that. I love that. 1,200 people she employs but, but feeds her own dogs. You know, she's the most famous woman in the world, but she seems to me, when you see her on screen, that she's as relaxed in a school as she's in a care home, as she's in a residential or a hospital, as she is with heads of state and leaders of other countries too. And there are no reliable recorded incidents of the Queen ever losing a temper, ever using bad language, or refusing to carry out a duty that's been asked of her. And do you know what? I'd find that difficult for a week, let alone 60 years. You know, there's some things in my week I don't want to do. And maybe I'm a bit vocal about that sometimes. But there's no reliable recorded incidents that she's ever done that. But, you know, I believe there's a secret to this amazing woman. There's a secret to her amazing woman, her consistency and her contribution to us as a nation, and I think it's this. She looks in two directions. She looks upwards to God, and she, then she looks outwards to us as a people. And you could sit there going, the Queen, really? Is she the Queen really a Christian? Do you know what? I'm standing here believing 100% that she is. I honestly believe she's as saved as I am. She has a relationship with God the same, the same way I do. And why do I believe that? Because of a quote that I read from her and it was this I know just how much I rely on my faith to guide me through the good times and the bad each day is a new beginning I know that the only way to live my life is to try and do what is right to take the long view to give of my best in all that the day brings and to put my trust in God I draw strength from the message of hope I find in my Christian gospel that's awesome that is awesome. And her trust in Christ is central to her life. And it wouldn't be right this morning if we didn't take a moment to pray for her. To pray for her. You know, and the Bible's very clear, as Leon reminded us again last week, that we need to pray for those in authority over us. Whether we, have, whether we agree with them or not, whether our opinion is that they should be there or not, that we're called to pray for them. And we can't ignore that directive. So I want to invite you, if you'd stand with this morning, we're going to pray for her. And just remember and honour her as she deserves to be honoured this morning. And so, Father, we want to thank you for the life of this amazing woman. Father, I want to thank you that I believe that she knows you. I believe she has a living relationship with you. Father, I want to thank you for, for her 90 years of life, but also her 60 years of service to us as a nation. 
Father, I pray that in the time that she has left on the throne, that you would continue to guide her. You would continue to give her wisdom. Father, you would continue to put her in places where she can speak on behalf of you and behalf of us as a people. Father, you know, I don't know the things that you've protected us from because of this woman. Maybe she is a buffer spiritually somewhere between us and things that could come into our nation. We only see, Father, what, what we're allowed to see. But Lord, in her private time, I'm sure she has many conversations with you. And I pray that you would honor that. Father, honor her, honor her family. I thank you, Father, that she, um, she lives and lives to serve her people. And God, I pray that you would continue to bless her and extend your grace and favor over her life, I pray, for many years to come. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Thank you, guys. And now in the promo for this series, Leon made this statement when he was giving the introduction to it about that the queen never wakes up in the morning not knowing who she is. She never wakes up in the morning not knowing she's the queen. She never wakes up in the morning not knowing her dad was the king. And that's because there's a genealogy there. There's a royal descent. Her history tells her that, that she's in line to the throne. You know, and genealogy is really, really important because it provides a link to something. It provides a link to a bloodline to a bloodline. And there's been such an increase, hasn't there, lately in people's interest in genealogy. You know, who do we think you are? The amount of genealogy magazines have suddenly appeared on the shelves. You know, you may have done some digging in, into your family background. You know, I've done mine, um, both sides of, of my family, my dad and my mum's. And I've got to tell you, I've not found anybody infamous or famous. I've not found any link to any real big ghosts in the closet. What I have found is about some of the stuff that I think makes me who I am some of my history, some of the stuff that's passed through our family lines. And, but my life hasn't changed at all because of that. That, that history I've found out hasn't changed my life at all in anything I've discovered. Um, it, was, it was a curiosity. You know, I did it because I was, I was just wanting to know where I came from and what my background was and where we moved from and, and did we actually spend all our time in this area and, and all that kind of stuff that you want to know. But it was just done out of curiosity. But for some people, it's more than a curiosity. It's a foundational truth for them. And in Jesus' time, genealogy was really important. History was really important. Your line was really, really important. And it was critical for a number of reasons. Number one, it proved claims on land. Number two, it determined the rights of your inheritance. So what you got and who you got it from and how it passed through the family was really important. It proved any claim to you being a priest, which was a calling in the Bible. And you had to be verified that you were in a priestly line. Not, not just anybody could become a priest. You had to prove that fact. But fourthly, it proved any claim to royalty, any claim of being a king. If you claimed a royal pedigree, you had to prove it by your genealogy. And that's why in the Bible, in Matthew and in Luke, in the, in the Gospels, the four books of the New Testament, you will find lists where it shows the genealogy of Jesus. And they're not just in there just because he didn't know how to start the book. It's in there because it needs to prove that Jesus is of a certain bloodline. Jesus is of a certain bloodline, right back to King David and beyond. And that's why when I became a Christian, when I became part of that genealogy, my bloodline became that bloodline. So if you know Jesus this morning, you consider yourself to have a relationship with God, your bloodline is linked to that bloodline. And that list is growing and growing and growing and growing. And you should be getting excited about that, that your name is actually on that list. And if Matthew was writing that list today, my name would be on there. So would yours. Because my bloodline is now that bloodline. That is now my genealogy. My name gets added to that list in the book. You see, we've got a lot in common with the Queen this morning. A lot in common with her. 
Because although she's the head of our country and the head of our state and of our nation and we are subjects in her kingdom, and this is the bit that blows my mind, she has made herself a subject in another kingdom where we are equally as royal as she is. And that's the kingdom of God. And that's the kingdom of God. And when we hear this word kingdom, it probably brings up loads of illustrations or imageries or stuff in your mind, different ideas. Especially if you watch programs such as Game of Thrones, which is kingdom against kingdom against kingdom against kingdom. All battling for this thing called the Iron Throne. Called the Iron Throne. And we struggle with the concept though, really. Because none of us really know what it is to live in a kingdom. None of us really know what it is to, 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 to live in, in a thing that we call you know, a kingdom because there's no remnants, there's no kingdoms left anymore. Although we live in something called the United Kingdom, we don't really know what it is to be a subject in a kingdom. We don't know what it's like to live under the reign of a king, really, because we're governed by parliament. But because of this, I think we miss not understanding the greatest message that Jesus came to bring. And he talked about this kingdom again and again and again, and again. You see, this kingdom isn't about a battle for geography. It's not about a location with boundaries, but it's about wherever the king reigns. And we're going to talk this morning about two places where I think the king reigns. And the first place is inside of us. We carry him in our hearts. And that's what happens when we first become a Christian. When I gave my life to follow Jesus, his spirit came and took up residency in the throne that's in my heart. He sits there now, that's his residency, that's his governance. And then I, my body, became an extension of his kingdom here on earth. The place where the king rules and reigns. Because the Bible says we're in the world but not of the world. Now some of you are looking at me a bit, oh that's a bit deep, I've not quite followed you there. So I've tried to think of, a, of an example that I could give that would actually give it some, some meat on the bones really. So we've all heard of embassies. Yeah, different embassies. So when we're in another country and something goes wrong, we all run to the British embassy because they're the ones that can sort it all out for us. Because that embassy is a piece of land or an area that actually belongs to another country. So we could go to the States and if something went wrong, if I lost my passport or I couldn't get home for some reason, my first port of call would be I'd be on the way to the British embassy because that is a little bit of England. That is a little bit of home. And it's controlled and governed by the laws of this country. So when you enter into an embassy, you're actually going into a different country. We know that, don't we? You get that. So we go into an embassy, we're going into a different country. And the same is true of our hearts. So even though I was born in the UK, I'm a UK citizen, I was born in a different country. When I became a Christian, I also became a citizen of another country, a citizen of the kingdom of heaven. And that is the rule and reign that governs my heart. Okay, so I've actually become an embassy, and it's really grand title, I know, but so are you. And of that embassy, you're an ambassador. And this is where it starts to get really, really interesting, because you're an ambassador of this kingdom called the kingdom of God. And as an ambassador, I'm called to uphold the objectives and directives of the country that sent me. So when we send ambassadors to the country, they're there to represent us. And in the same way as I'm an ambassador of the kingdom of God, of this embassy, I'm here to represent Jesus Christ and what he stands for and what he says. But an important thing is, is that this kingdom isn't a democracy. How many people have ever voted in an election? How many people have ever voted in an election on an issue they haven't fully understood? That tells you right there why the kingdom of God is not a democracy. Because we don't know everything. We can't know everything. 
We don't know all the facts. Only God knows that. So this isn't a voting kingdom. This is a king where he reigns and he's rule and he governs. And as that, I'm a, I'm a representative and an ambassador of that. And when the queen was crowned during her ceremony, she was given several things, several objects, several symbols that highlighted the values that she should have, that any monarch should have. And so we're going to take a little look at those this morning, of what she was given during her coronation service. And the first thing she was given was an orb. And she was given an orb with a cross mounted on top of it. That's the one there on the screen. And this was supposed to symbolise her power over her people, over, over the country. But it also symbolises the rule of Jesus Christ on the earth. Then she was given some swords. And this was supposed to symbolise her role in ministering justice. But the interesting thing about these swords is that they're blunt. They're cut off. The tips are cut off. They couldn't really hurt anybody unless she tried really hard. It's, so they're blunted off. And this was to show that not only should she exercise her role as, as a judgment, but she also needs to exercise mercy. Is this starting to ring with anybody else we know? You know? So then she was given a scepter. In fact, she was given two. There was one with a cross on and one with a cross with a dove on the top, which was the most important one. And that was given to her to show that she was supposed to bring peace into a kingdom that she reigned. And the more I'm looking at this stuff, the more it's reminding me of somebody else. The more it's starting to tick some boxes with me about somebody else that I know. There's somebody else that actually has a kingdom. And then finally, she was given a Bible. And in the service, it was described as the most valuable thing this world affords. Do you know what? Even back in the 50s, this nation still had something right. We still valued and we still gave um, a prominence to, to the word of God, to the queen that was going to govern our country. And this was supposed to provide all the wisdom that she needed to serve her people as she lived her life of royalty. And then this got me thinking, you know, that actually... We're also working royalty. But the Bible puts it another way for us. And Micah puts it beautifully. And in that we've been given responsibility to serve others. And Micah put it like this. What does the Lord require of you? He requires of you to act justly, to love mercy, and to walk humbly with your God. And right there in that verse are our ceremonial orb, our swords, our scepters right there. The same as the queen was presented with. Exactly the same. And then Jesus showed us exactly how that royalty should be lived. How to live out a life of royalty. How we should conduct ourselves. And that's found in Philippians verses 1 to 8 in chapter 2. And it's going to come up on the screen for you. And I hope as I'm speaking, some of this stuff is starting to, to, to just drop into your mind about actually how we are living a life of royalty with God. It says, if you have an encouragement from being united with Christ, if any comfort from his love, if any common sharing in the spirit, if any tenderness and compassion, then make my joy complete by being like-minded, having the same love, being one in spirit and of one mind. Do nothing out of selfish ambition or vain conceit. Rather, in humility, value others above yourselves, not looking to your own interests, but each of you to the interests of others. In your relationships with one another, have the same mindset as Christ, who being in the very nature God, did not consider equality with God something to be used to his own advantage. Rather, he made himself nothing by taking the very nature of a servant, being made in human likeness, and being found in appearance as a man, he humbled himself 
by becoming obedient to death, even death on a cross. That's the king we serve this morning, right there. And there was one moment in the Queen's coronation ceremony that wasn't televised. It was considered too sacred to show. And there's one picture of it that's just come up there. And it's a moment where any symbol of her status is removed and she's just left sitting in a simple white dress. And none of this was shown to the nation. You know, she looks like a bride there, doesn't she? And she was given a ring, but there's no groom. There's no groom. And the queen is not giving herself to her husband, but she's given herself to her people. And she's then anointed with oil on her hands and on her chest and on her head to show that she's being set apart to serve and love her people in all her actions, with all her heart and with all her mind. And that got me thinking, that sounds like somebody else as well. There's a verse in the Bible where we're told to love the Lord your God with all our heart, with all our mind, with all our soul, with all our strength. You know, Jesus wasn't, he was set apart not to serve, but to be served. Not, sorry, not to be, have I got that right? Probably not. No, I haven't. Not to be served, but to serve. Sorry. And to sacrifice his life so that we can have life in all its fullness. And the kingdom is also all around us, you know, and within that is this gathering of people we call the church. And it represents everybody on earth that has a personal relationship with Jesus Christ. And the church always has been and always will be. God's way of moving forward and demonstrating his power. And in fact, in Matthew eleven twelve, it says this, from the days of John the Baptist until now, and that word now means now, as in today, this Sunday, the kingdom of heaven has been forcefully advancing. God's kingdom is on the move. And one of the most amazing things, isn't it, is the power in the king's name. Then when you've watched loads of films and series where they've yelled, open up in the name of the king, and they've come bursting through a door and they've either arrested somebody or taken somebody away or delivered something or, or they've said, you know, you know we, we come to you in the name of the king. We're representing the king. We're, we're coming to speak to, to you in the, in the name of the king. We've brought a letter in the name of the king. We've, we've got a seal. This is sealed in the name of the king. And because it was delegated authority... The king could delegate his authority to whoever he chose to, to represent him. And that's what we see portrayed over and over again throughout our history. But we have that privilege. We have that privilege. Jesus has given us all a letter of delegation. And do you know where that is? It's when we pray and we say in Jesus' name. Have you ever wondered why we say in Jesus' name when we pray? It's nothing more mysterious than that, really. Because we're saying in the king's name. In Jesus' name. Can, well, let, please let this happen in Jesus' name. Open up that door in Jesus' name. Delegated authority to represent the king on this earth and bring his directives and his kingdom where we are. And the king's name carries the authority as the king himself. And you and I carry that name. And I want you to go out of here this morning with your heads held high because you carry that name and you carry that privilege and you carry that authority. And so whether, you know, at school or at college, at work, at home, wherever you are, you are a living embassy for the kingdom of God. You carry a little bit of heaven where you are. And I think we forget that. 
We're royal. Exactly as the queen is royal in that kingdom. And we started this morning by honouring the queen. And we're going to end it by honouring the king. And whether you count yourself as a follower of Jesus this morning, whether you would say that you have a relationship with him, whether you would say that there's a king and Jesus is the king of a kingdom, it doesn't change the fact that Jesus is a king. Just because you might not like having a queen, you might not agree with the monarchy, it doesn't change the fact that she is queen. And it's the same with Jesus. Whether you say that he, you believe in him or not, doesn't change the fact that he is. Doesn't change the fact that he has a kingdom. Doesn't change the fact that his kingdom is advancing. And communion that we're going to celebrate this morning is an occasion where we honour what this king did. And we remember and we celebrate what this king did for us. And the truth is that you can be part of that kingdom today. You can start living your life of royalty right now. Right now in this place. And this may be your first time with us or you may have been coming a while and you've still yet to make that decision of, yeah, I want to follow Jesus. I want to be part of that kingdom, Jane. I want to know what it is to have royal privilege. I want to know what it is to be a son and a daughter of a king. But you can do that this morning. And as much as it would be really remiss of us not to have prayed for our queen, I really feel it would be really remiss of me not to give you an opportunity to join that kingdom this morning. And so if you want to start your life of royalty today, if you want to say, yes, Jane, I want to be part of that kingdom, and you haven't already, I want to give you an opportunity to do that right now. So while people have got their heads bowed and their eyes closed, if you just want to acknowledge to me and put your hand up and I'll see that and then I'll pray for you, that would be really great. So if there is anybody here, if you could make it so I could say thank you. Thank you very much. Anybody else? brilliant thank you lord that your kingdom is advancing and is being added to and again right now in this place another name has been added onto that list of people that can count their genealogies being part of jesus's bloodline this morning i pray that you would bless them father i pray that you'd make this a real decision for them father i pray that there would be a real connection with you this morning and they would know that they just got dual citizenship that they're a citizen of one kingdom now they're fully a citizen of another and for all of us here God who consider ourselves all ready to be a part of your kingdom I pray that as we take communion you would challenge us Lord are we building the kingdom of God in our lives are we a carrier of your kingdom because the mark of the kingdom is the rule of the king